You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome into the Ots and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always on this Friday morning, Friday afternoon, Friday evening. Maybe it's the weekend for you when you listen to this show. Uh, we appreciate you as always checking in and listening to the Ots and Audibles podcast. Uh, we want to remind you guys out there, if you are subscribing, thank you very much. That's awesome, especially during this time. If you're looking to support us in ways of, of more than just listening to the show, consider subscribing. You can do that for $1 for your first month, and then thereafter it's $9.95 per month. Or you can sign up for an annual membership, which currently right now is being billed at a promo price. Normally it's just under $99, and you currently could get it for $75.18 for a one-time payment. Uh, if, and that goes across being a $6.26 payment per month, uh, and that's a savings of over $3. And you get inside scoop, expert analysis, read all the content across the 24-7 sports network. And then you also, when you're paying your regular price, so once you pay your monthly $1 fee and you go to $9.95, you get CBS All Access for free, a streaming platform that's got 10,000 shows, movies, sports when it comes back. All on your plat, on your phone, your smart TV, your computer, whatever you watch it on for free. That's a hundred dollar value by subscribing to DuckTerritory.com right into your pocket. All right, now we've got a good show for today. We've got some football news, some good football news. Uh, we'll we'll also discuss the offensive side of the football and the Ducks are having to replace uh, multiple players, multiple key players along. Their offensive line, obviously Justin Herbert's gone, and uh, I, I think Eric and I are, are high on this team, and we're going to discuss kind of some of the the possibilities with the offense. But let's start with the news that we broke on DuckTerritory.com Thursday night was Oregon tight end Cam McCormick was supposed to be a senior this upcoming season, the 2020 fall season. That is no longer the case because he applied for a medical hardship waiver, and that that means he believed he suffered an injury that was deemed catastrophic, and he deserved an extra year of eligibility because he used his redshirt season in 2016 to rehabilitate an injury that he suffered that cut short his high school season. So he has lost a year of eligibility, he said, because of an injury. He's actually lost two years of eligibility, but he was hoping for one year back. And the NCAA not only said sure to the one year, but they gave him two. And he's retroactively now a redshirt sophomore going into the 2020 football season, meaning he'll be a sophomore this year. He will then be eligible to play as a junior at Oregon for the 2021 football season. And then if he chooses to come back to school for his senior at, his senior year at, at, athletically, he would be a senior in 2022. So he has three years of eligibility should he choose to use all three of them. Don't you, you, Eric, you don't see this very often. You, you Sometimes you see a guy get one year back. But to get two years back of eligibility is rarefied air. 
I've never seen this happen before. <laughs> I mean, if you think about the fact that if he does choose to exhaust his eligibility through 2022, he enrolled at Oregon in 2016. That'd be a seven-year college football career, and I've I've seen a couple of six years. Um, I can't think of those even like off the top of my head. I know there've been players at Oregon that have applied for a waiver year along with their. Um, you know, there are, George there are, Moore is doing it right now. Right. George Moore is doing it right now. Um, there, but there aren't, well, I guess the thing different with Moore is that Moore is like, he, he was a Juco, so he came over, so this sure. is, like, it could be as four, he could get four years, but regardless of how you want to slice it, I'm like, seven years is pretty unparalleled and unprecedented, pretty un, I just can't think of many scenarios where this is, has taken place, and in fact, I've just Googled and found a couple, um, <laughs> the top which says, Jalen West, now nicknamed Grandpa, as he enters his seventh year of football, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, which which is kind of maybe they'll uh, do something similar with Cam McCormick. But that's kind of the way you think about this. It is so unusual that a player would be at a school for more than five years. I mean, five years is really a, a pretty extensive time. That means you had you know your four years of eligibility, you used a redshirt year probably early on in your career, played your four years, you graduate, you're gone. His career is going to be one of the more bizarre. If you just look at it from how it played out, you ran through a lot of that, but yeah, didn't play in 2016. Was pretty promising in 2017 as a redshirt freshman, kind of came on, had some big moments. 2018 looked like it was going to be his big season. Boom, suffers a season-ending injury in the first game against Bowling Green. 2019 looks like it might be another breakout season. Suffers another injury, loses that entire season. Uh, and, and now he, it appeared he looked to be heading into 2020 with kind of his last hurrah. And now he looks at it and he has three years. And I, I think it's, it's awesome that he has that opportunity, even though it is quite unusual. But I think this is huge for Oregon, too, because this is a player who now, for the last two off-seasons, I'm not even including 2020, because I guess 2020 should be included, but in 2018 and 2019, we were talking about how he was like a breakout player. I'm pretty sure when I did my 10 breakout uh, players on the site for each of those last two seasons, Cam McCormick was one of the ones I mentioned, just because it felt like he was in, in a spot to possibly exploded and have a much bigger role at tight end. So um, this is a huge win for both Cam McCormick on a personal level. Again, it's pretty unusual that a player is going to be able to potentially play for seven years. But also, I think from a program perspective, this is huge. Uh, there were certainly concerns and kind of some uncertainty about the, what would the future would hold at tight end. Um, think about it this way. He's now the same class as Spencer Webb. Yes. <laughs> he's the same year of eligibility as Spencer Webb, and, and Webb doesn't feel like he's been here very long. So... Um, huge win for both McCormick and the program, and, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how he develops, where his body's at, how much he has left in the tank here. Um, but, uh, again, I think a big win for, for a lot of people involved in this. Real quick, if you want to know, Eric kind of touched on it real briefly, but if, if you want to know how this happened. So McCormick was a high school senior. He was a three-star recruit, 10th best player in the state of Oregon as part of the 2016 recruiting class. That's the same year as Justin Herbert, and it's also the same year as Brady Brees. And McCormick suffered an injury, I want to say maybe like two or three games into his high school senior year, torn ACL. Brutal injury, it was a bad one. And he arrived at Oregon with the full intent during the 2016 season to rehab that because he was not healthy. He was not ready to play and he used his medical, he used his red shirt, which originally is designed for injuries. That That's its true purpose is for when a guy gets hurt and he loses a season, he can red shirt and preserve a year. And that's what he did as a true freshman. 
most true freshmen just redshirt for developmental reasons or playing time reasons. McCormick redshirted health-wise. And then, like Eric said, as a freshman, as a redshirt freshman during the 2017 season, he played in all 13 games for the Ducks. He had six catches for 89 yards and a touchdown. It was a promising year. It was one in which there were, there were a ton of expectations for him that season. But afterwards, you felt like, hey, you extrap- extrapolate those numbers across the board and his playing time will go up. He should be a guy in 2018. That'll be pretty good. And he entered the 2018 season as the starter. He beat out Jacob Breland, a, a guy that was the returning starter for after the 2017 season. Opened the year against Bowling Green and then suffered a, a, just a gruesome, I think he, what, broke his femur? Is that the proper? Yeah, broke, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, broken right leg. Broken right leg. And that injury was, was gnarly and missed all of the, the the remaining 12 games of the 2018 season, and then comes back for 2019 this past year with the intent that he was going to be able to play and some real some rehabilitation of that 2018 injury just kept happening. And he kept having setback after setback after setback, never played it down. And then halfway through the year, Mario Cristobal announced that McCormick and his family and the coaching staff have all agreed that it's best that he just stops trying to do the re- the rehab to get himself back for that season and instead just shut down the year, work on getting healthy long-term instead of trying to help out Oregon during the 2019 season. And so he ultimately has missed the last two years and – had used his had used his redshirt already to to rehab another injury, and so that's why the NCAA approved two years of injury of eligibility waiver. Now, how does this impact Oregon in 2020, I, Eric? I think my first reaction is there's the stress for or the pressure for Cam McCormick to be an instant impact player at at tight end next season for himself individually to help to impress NFL scouts to make you know be have the best season possible is gone because he now knows that he shows up this fall and plays and plays at a high level and goes to the NFL. Awesome. That's, that's, that's perfect. If not, he can come back and play a whole nother year and, or play two more years if he wanted to. I, I, the pressures now of from him as an individual having to perform at a high level this season to impress NFL scouts is gone because he's got a couple more years left in the tank. Well, that's a really good point too, in terms of how he might approach this season. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Uh, you know, we should note that there is a pretty wide and, and pretty open battle at tight end right now. McCormick's certainly one of the players in there. Um, Hunter Campmoyer, who was kind of the fill-in starter for Breland last year, is also certainly in the mix, along with Spencer Webb, who we mentioned, and, and then DJ Johnson switched positions, and you also have Patrick Herbert as well on the roster, but. The thing with McCormick that had in previous years sort of, I don't want to say distance himself, but given him an opportunity to win the job over Breland was his ability to be not just a good pass receiver, but also a very capable blocker at 6'5", 255, somebody that could really be versatile and, and, and really competent basically in regardless of if there was a pass or a run play. You know, he was able to do both uh, very, very well. So um, that's kind of what you're getting from him as an all-around tight end who can be really effective 
catching the football really effective as a blocker. It's going to be interesting to see kind of how much explosiveness he has left after suffering some really tough injuries and, and, and going through some some surgeries to rehab all that stuff. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. At the same time, I think like the ceiling is there for him to be, yeah, maybe he is a player that is a, you want to say one and done because he's already been here like four years, but a, a one, he only uses one of these years and he goes pro or maybe he's here for all three of them. You just don't know. But I think certainly the upside is there for McCormick to be the team's top tight end for him to be on the field an awful lot and to, to kind of prove some stuff. And I'm sure you mentioned, you know, the, uh, I guess the pressure isn't there for him to exceed right away or succeed right away and, and, and be really successful. Um, but I'm sure internally he has a lot he wants to prove because of kind of the way things have played out with these injuries, with kind of maybe even doubting himself a little bit. I mean, this has to be really difficult to go through uh, in terms of what he has been through with the injuries and the history of all of that and sitting and having to watch when he knows you know, what he's capable of. I think this season is going to be something I'm sure he's really excited to be a part of. Um, and, and, again, just really happy for him to get this waiver because – I know when he was ruled out for the rest of last season, there was certainly some sort of murmurings or wonderings of, like, is he just going to medically retire? I mean, he's missed two full seasons right now, but clearly that wasn't the case, and it goes the opposite way where he was actively uh, interested in, in gaining more eligibility and more opportunity to play. So um, excited that there'll be more Cam McCormick around the Oregon football program for the foreseeable future, and maybe he will become the grandpa of the team here in a couple of years <laughs> if he sticks it out. Now, long term wise, this is gonna, this is even b- bigger news for Oregon because they were counting on him for, for 2020 already. Like that, that was already decided. That was expected. This doesn't, you know, this decision doesn't change anything with how the program operates in 2020 because he was already going to be expected to be a contributor. Now, how he, how he impacts things beyond that is huge because look, we, we have said on this show, we've said it on duckterritory.com that there's kind of a need in recruiting for the tight end position. The ducks need to go out and find a viable athlete. That's an instant impact ish type of guy because we were under the assumption that McCormick was gone, that Hunter camp Moyer is gone after this season. Spencer Webb would be a, a sophomore uh, this coming season, Patrick Webb is a redshirt freshman. They've moved to DJ Johnson, who is a redshirt junior, to the tight end position. And so really, you've only got two guys on the roster in 2021 that have any experience at that position going into the 2020 football season. And and so you, you need to, to find somebody that could be an instant impact player that could play right away as a true freshman. I believe now... The, with McCormick coming back to school or having the option to come back to school in 2021 and in 2022, that need diminishes a little bit. Like you still need to go out and try and find a Brock Bowers or a Terrence Ferguson, two of the you know best tight ends in the country who both happen to be out west. But the need and the importance of that significantly drops. Like. It, it's awesome if you can get them, but now it doesn't become one of those deals where Oregon has to go out and find a tight end, no matter the talent, no matter the ranking, because they simply need the bodies. That, that's that been alleviated because of McCormick having extra years of eligibility. That was what I was going to say, is I think you can now be a little bit more selective 
in how you go through this because, like you said, you, you've got four players that are on scholarship at tight end who will be on the 2021 roster, barring a transfer or something happening. But based upon where the numbers are right now, you have four, and that's a pretty decent number to work with over the course of a season, um, especially with the the veteran group you have there and and, and kind of what you know from that group. So. Um, uh, I think you look at this and go, yeah, maybe you, you, you obviously take your shots, like you said, with those top guys on the West Coast, Bowers and Ferguson, but, but maybe you at a certain point here go like, maybe we don't take a tight end or we, you know, I, and I think you could have also been in a spot where previously you were thinking, we just need some experience here. Maybe we go take a Juco or something like that or find a grad transfer, but maybe you're again, maybe you, you can be a lot more selective in terms of what routes and, and who you want to actually bring in now. Um, because, it, it, it did feel like, I mean, Oregon didn't sign a tight end in this last cycle, right. uh, which is pretty significant. That was, and that was something we talked about as it took place. I was like, man, it was really a bummer they couldn't find a player there um, to kind of fill in that, fill in some gaps here. I think you'd obviously love to take someone in 2021. It feels weird not taking up a player in a position over two cycles because um, you'd like to have the classes spread out as much as possible. And that would probably put pressure if you didn't take someone in 21 to, to maybe take two guys or, or something like that in 22. But um, certainly, I think lightens the pressure, alleviates the pressure a little bit in terms of going out and landing one of these top guys and kind of allows you to say, hey, we can be a little bit more selective. Maybe we don't take someone here. You probably still would like to take a player, but um, I think certainly impactful. Uh, and, and that's just how how kind of just wild college football can be that uh, you, you kind of are at one moment thinking this is what your focus is going to be from a recruiting perspective and then... Just like that, it changes, and, and you can kind of have to switch gears and, and kind of look at things a little bit differently. Big news all the way around, immediately and long-term for the Oregon Duck football program with Cam McCormick now being eligible beyond this season. So more coverage, more discussion on that can be had at DuckTerritory.com. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to discuss some just bigger-picture discussion points on Oregon's success in 2020 on the offensive side of the football. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome back to the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And like we said before the break, we were diving into some just bigger picture offensive side of the football discussion. Now, Eric brought up the question we were discussing uh, off mic of this podcast show format, and that is we had a note in our content plan of why is this offense going to be as successful or more successful 
in 2020 than they were in 2019, and why would they not be as successful uh, or as the 2019 crew was? And I, I think that's a valid question because normally it's like, well, wait, they lose their quarterback, they lose four starters along the offensive line, they lose one of their best receivers. Of course they're going to take a step back. Like, why why would you even debate that question? Um, I think it's a reasonable discussion point because the way Mario Cristobal and his coaching staff have recruited, have developed the last two or three seasons at Oregon, the talent level within the program, especially on the offensive side of the football, it's as high as it's ever been the last four or five years, like on paper from that perspective. Like obviously on paper rankings doesn't immediately equal on field success. You have to develop players. Guys have to, train hard guys have to adapt to the college game from coming from high school or junior college but when you have good players when you have talented players that makes the adaption a lot easier that makes the development a lot easier that makes guys and offenses and teams better when you have more of the higher rated recruit that's out there and so i think and maybe my stance here, Eric, is why this team improves. I think there's going to be maybe some rough spots early on. That Ohio State game could could get ugly. Like, it, it could be a negative for Oregon. But I also could see, you know, they play, they get all their jitters out, the rough spots out week one against North Dakota State. And then week two against Ohio State, they come out gangbusters and – we see a, an offense that's got four and five star players across the board playing at a very high level. You know, I, I think there's a lot of reasons both ways that this could be better or worse. And I, I don't think there's any question. I, I think one of the reasons it'll be better is I think the skill position players are just going to be better than they were last year outside of quarterback. I think at running back, it's pretty hard to argue that they're not going to be better. Uh, you return everybody. The one player you lose is Darian Felix, and he took off, I would say, in part because he knew his role wasn't going to be what he wanted it to be at Oregon because he was behind Verdell, he was behind Guy and, and Hibby Bilikio, and, and probably long-term behind Sean Dollars. Um, so I think running back will be improved. I think wide receiver, I know you lose Jawan Johnson, and that's that's a tough loss. He was, by the end of the season, probably your second most valuable receiver behind Johnny Johnson. But you have Johnny Johnson back, you have Jalen Red back, and you've got players that I think can step in and collectively at least be what Juwan Johnson was last year for Oregon. I think Devin Williams has the potential to be Juwan Johnson or maybe even better on his own at a, at a certain point in the season. Maybe that's too much to expect from him, given the fact that he's a little bit younger player, but he has the upside certainly to be that kind of contributor. You'd have a season with Micah Pittman where he'd be healthy the whole season. I mean, he suffered two significant injuries and only was healthy for about half of last year. So I look at those two guys as being probably big difference makers. Uh, I think a Brian Addison could do the same thing. And you have some other young players like J.R. Waters and uh, Lance Wilhoyt and Chris Hudson, who will be a true freshman this year, even like an Isaiah Crocker, who will be probably sleeping on a Josh Delgado. Uh, I just think the talent at wide receiver and running back would be better. And then even at tight end now with, with you know, I guess it doesn't impact it directly because Colt McCormick would have been on the roster. But uh, we just spoke, spent a lot of time talking about what's going on at tight end. I think that position group should be improved from where it was last year, too. Um, there probably isn't a Jacob Breland on the roster. Maybe it'll be Cam McCormick, but collectively, I think that group will be better. So I, I think 
you might not have the quarterback, and, and that might be one of the things we talk about for why it won't be better, but in terms of why it will be better, I think the skill position players at running back, wide receiver, and tight end, I think those groups are going to be improved from what they were last year. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think the skill that they have at those groups outside of the quarterback spot, when we're talking running back, tight end, receiver, better production, better players, improved players, because a lot of those guys are coming back from last season, will be a big reason why the 2020 offense is better than the 2019 offense. Quarterback's going to be an issue, no doubt about it. Or issue maybe isn't the right word, question mark, mm-hmm. because, you know, four-year starter, you replace him. Now you have a grad transfer from Anthony Brown from Boston College, who was a three-year starter there. You also have Tyler Shuck, who's going to be a redshirt sophomore, and both players are going to have to learn the new offense within – Joe Moorhead, the offensive coordinator, who emerges there, you and I, I'll speak for you because I think you agree <laughs> with me. Uh, we're both very high on Tyler Shuck that as of today, April 10th at 11 a.m., we believe Shuck will eventually win the job. But are you more concerned of the quarterback development or the offensive line? I lean, I look at it, the, I look at it this way. Between Brown and Shuck, someone will emerge. I think it'll be Shuck, but if it's Brown, Oregon will still be fine. I'm more curious to see how has Oregon been able to develop the offensive line because they've got Penny Sewell, who's the best lineman in the country, but he's going to need help. He can't block all five guys. You know, it's funny because we, uh, I'm actually doing a written version of this story for the site as well, and I did two reasons they'll be better, two reasons they'll be worse. The two reasons that I think they might be not improved is what you just listed. Questions at quarterback, questions on the offensive line. And I think those are the two big question marks without question. Um, I think, I don't know, it's, it's a tough one because I, I actually think the upside of the offensive line could be almost higher than what they could be at quarterback, but the floor maybe is a little bit different just because obviously Penny Sewell is what he is, but you're relying on not just one guy who basically hasn't played at this level in a quarterback like Tyler Shuck. You're relying on four players who haven't had an opportunity to really have starting experience, a whole lot of experience at all. I think outside of Sewell, Stephen Jones is the only player to ever start a game, and that was, I think, one start his true freshman season in 2018 when I think Jake Hansen was suspended for the first half because of a helmet-to-helmet hit so um, or, you know, a targeting call. So uh, I, I think I'd actually feel a little bit better about the quarterback position in terms of, like, if there isn't great improvement, which I think there will be, I think they'll be a little better off. And if there's not great improvement on the offensive line with four players you're trying to break in, especially at center, I mean, that can be a really tough spot to not have a reliable player. You think about Oregon and how good they've been on the offensive line for such a long time. Part of that is they had four straight years of Hironis Grasso, then a year between with Matt Haggerty, and then four straight years of Jake Hansen. That stability at center, I think, sometimes gets overlooked. I know people are really high on some of the options there, but even as we exit you know, spring camp, what was a abbreviated spring camp, I don't think anyone can really say with a ton of confidence who the starting center is going to be. I think Forsyth's in position for it. I think Ryan Walk has a shot. I think Jonathan Dennis, based upon 
spring practice will be in the conversation too. But like, there just isn't that clear, like, this guy's the center. And for Oregon, for so many years, that's been the case. So I'd say I actually feel a little bit better about where they are at quarterback than offensive line just because they're asked to replace so much. But I think ultimately offensive line has the potential to be a little bit stronger than the quarterback. Another thing that we were so high on, and I think it's such a positive for Oregon's offensive line this past season, was when Jake Hansen got hurt and they were able to slide Calvin Throckmorton from tackle to center. And then Brady Aiello stepped right in at, at the tackle spot at right tackle. Yeah. Like, there was no drop-off, really. Like, yes, Theoretically, there was a drop-off, but it was so unnoticeable, you, you didn't really notice. Or when, when Dallas Warmack, uh, had his, his period of time, the last two seasons, where he'd get nicked up and Brady would step in for, for, for Warmack. That is going to, I think that's a hidden question mark for this group because injuries are going to happen and offensive linemen are, are, is the position in which there's a couple positions in, in, in football that just every year, doesn't matter who it is, you know, how much you prepare for it, guys are going to get hurt because they're literally getting hit every single down. And there will be a time in which Oregon's offensive line will suffer some kind of an injury to somebody. Someone will get hurt. And the last two seasons, last three seasons, really, Oregon's offensive line has had this understanding of, hey, we have a very proven, we have a very talented reserve lineman that we can plug and play basically any of the four positions outside of center. And if the center does get hurt, we have another offensive lineman that that's equally as good as he is uh, and, and put him in that center and we go back to step one, which was we have this reserve that's really good that can play any four positions, so we're fine. Who becomes that sixth guy for Oregon in in 2020? Like, who is who is the sixth lineman that can fill in and basically, in a one game setting, present a, a case for Oregon where they see very little drop off? It's really hard to predict that, but two names come to mind here for me, and and, and it's, again, it's hard because we also don't know who the, the big five are, but yeah, like, if, if I'm picking, and maybe the answer is there isn't one, and, and maybe that's part of the reason why this is a big concern, but like, I guess Alex Forsyth and TJ Bass come to mind as two guys that are like, in contention for starting roles, don't don't have those locked down, but could also play a couple different spots, but I don't know if either of those guys are going to be very valuable at tackle, so, but what Throckmorton was is so unusual, um, it, it, you just don't see it very often where a guy can play that many positions. I'm, I'm sure there are players on Oregon's rosters capable of moving around a little bit, but there might not be a guy like that. And that might be one of those luxuries that, yeah, maybe we take it. I think for sure people probably took it for granted how <laughs> advantageous it was to have a player who could be your step, you could be your center one game, your left guard the next game, play right tackle, maybe play left tackle. That's just not something that's really available very often. And I don't know, looking at this roster, there certainly isn't anyone on this roster who's proven they can do that. Let's put it that way. Uh, no one on this roster has shown they can play multiple positions like what Throckmorton provided for Oregon for, for four seasons. And, and that's going to be something that uh, maybe we'll see over the course of the season that come together. But I'm skeptical that there's a player on the roster that, that really can do that. All right, let's – it's way out in front, but – Let's make a prediction. Do you, do you think the offensive line 
performs at a level equal or better to last year's offensive line, or do you see it taking a step back? I think the first four or five games of the season, I think it's going to be noticeably worse. Um, and I still think you're going to see, you'll probably still have highlights of Penny Sewell just absolutely killing people, <laughs> just absolutely mashing people, and, and you'll be like, man, that guy's incredible. But I think there's going to be some time where this comes together, and part of that is that you're talking about replacing basically an offensive line without having a spring practice period to really work together and, and kind of learn some of these ins and outs. Those are, those are again, some of those invaluable parts of having a full 15, you know, practice period for spring. Now you only had four. Did you get enough opportunity to do that? I think that could be one of those things that, that impacts things when football does resume at some point this fall. Um, I, I, I think early on in the season there's going to be some growing pains, but I do think the ceiling is there for them to be as good, if not better, by the back end of the season just because the level of athlete is better. Uh, I, I mean, we just talked about how valuable Calvin Throckmorton is, but Stephen Jones probably physically uh, is a better player at least has the potential to be a better player than what Calvin Throckmorton was. He's bigger, uh, he's longer, he probably is a little bit more bouncy, a little more athletic. Um, I, I know the staff is very, very high on him based upon comments they've said, they've told us. Uh, you know, even most recently, Cristobal said he thinks Jones could be one of the best offensive linemen in the country. Um, I think the same kind of, you could have something similar take place with, with Malasala. I know he's a player they've been extremely high on for a long time. So, I think the potential is there for at the end of the season that they're peaking and you're feeling really, really good about this group. Um, and it could be a group that returns all five starters again in 21, depending on what Penny Sewell decides to do. I would imagine he probably is going to put his name in, but it might not happen. And uh, if that was the case, you could be entering 2021 going like, holy crap, this is going to be an unbelievable offensive line group. Um, and now I've gone and, and predicted not only through the 2020 <laughs> season, but I've done another leap over the calendar year to look at 2021. But uh, yeah, I guess summarizing, yeah, I, I think early on there's certainly going to be some growing pains. I think by the end of the season, the, the talent and the potential and the upside is there for this group to be better than uh, what we've seen uh, from last year's group. It's going to do it for us on this Odds and Audibles podcast. Really appreciate you guys listening. Really appreciate you guys supporting us during this time. Hopefully you guys are all well and doing okay getting through this quarantine as wherever you guys are at. So thank you again for listening to the Odds and Audibles podcast. For Eric Scopel, I'm Matt Prem. We will talk to you soon. Adios, amigos. You ready for this? Yeah. If it's the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG.